0: Welcome to Let's Talk Sales, the podcast that's all things sales and business development. This podcast series is for CEOs that are looking to build strong companies, sales VPs and sales managers that wanna take things to the next level. And of course, for salespeople that are looking to improve. This podcast is brought to you by Calavia, the sales playbook platform made for your team by your team. The Calavia sales playbook houses your company's best practices, templates, and processes. And it also functions as an online sales training academy for new and existing hires. Learn more at Calavia.com. That's C-O-L-L-A-V-I-A.com. Today's podcast is part of our Sales Leaders Talk Sales series, where we talk to leaders in sales about business growth, lessons learned, and so much more. This is Rebecca Toomey, and today I am talking to Hunter Smith. Now, Hunter is the Director of Business Development and a Senior Project Manager and Senior Estimator at Paul Davis Restoration of the Palm Beaches. Hunter, thank you so much for being here today.
1: And I thank you even more for having me here today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And now, something (laughs) I do have to throw out there to our audience is that this name, Hunter Smith, probably seems a little bit familiar and if it does good because it should (laughs) right
1: did you tell your audience to strap in for this one yeah yeah so
0: strap in for this one are you ready for this one all right okay so hunter is also my nephew my oldest nephew my oldest brother's oldest son so you were my very first Nephew to be born. So, first of all, good job on doing that.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm being born. Well, I
0: thank you very much. Good job on I being think- born. Second of all, Hunter is <laughs> a beast. All right. I just want to put that out there. Like, he is young, but a crazy, crazy successful beast. Like, he. I can't even tell you all that he has accomplished in this podcast because it's not possible. But he's awesome. And that is why he's on this podcast today because he is a business development expert. He's really figured it out in the restoration industry and other industries as well, not just in restoration. But anyway, Hunter, I am so excited to learn from you today. And all of the wealth of knowledge. Because you have come and surpassed your aunt. You are, like, killing it. And so I, I just want to know how, how you've done this.
1: <laughs> You're blowing my head up a little too much here, Rebecca. But I would be happy <laughs> to share all of my wisdom and knowledge with you that I have.
0: Thank you. And for a fun fact for the listeners... Hunter calls me Aunt Becky, like Full House.
1: (laughs) It's changed over the years. It started as Aunt Becky, and then it just moved to. I got lazy, so I would just start saying Aunt B.
2: Aunt B,
0: and then
1: eventually the the Aunt kind of wore away too, so I I just started saying B. So as the years progress, I get a little bit lazier. You know what I mean? mean? A little bit lazier. Pretty soon,
0: you're just going to be like, Hey, you. Hey, B. Hey, B.
1: You. Uh, uh, Sales. (laughs) Sales director person right
0: hey. <laughs> oh that's too funny all right hunter i would love for you to share with our audience a little bit about more a little bit more, i can't even speak english can you share a little <laughs> bit more about yourself your role as a business developer and in sales and kind of how you've gotten to where you are today
1: well um basically um Business development has played the largest role in uh, my company. So basically what my company does is we uh, we restore and rebuild homes after they've been affected by water, fire, trauma, uh, mold, uh, winds, or any other storm-related damage. Um, now, I find what this kind of uh, company lacks is strong marketing departments. So that's kind of what I've helped the Paul Davis brands, uh, work on over the years. I've been in it about, I would say 10 and a half years, the past four years with the Paul Davis network. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we have about 350 franchises all over the United States and Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we are, we are very, very much improving on our business development, marketing and sales skill set because the the past few years before that, there wasn't really too strong of a marketing presence. And here these past few years, we really dialed that in.
0: Okay, cool. That's awesome. And now something else I want to throw out there is, you know, you mentioned that you've been doing this with Paul Davis for a couple of years. But Hunter has actually been in this industry since you were what, like 14 years old, something like that? Uh,
1: Yeah, like 10 and a half years or something. Who's counting? <laughs>
0: <laughs> now you're young. So when people look at a picture of you, when they go to the show notes, they're going to be like, wow, this kid is young. And obviously, you're my nephew. So that makes you even younger. But I was a kid when you were born, just so everyone listening knows I was a little child myself. But the point is that you are young and you already have 10 years of experience because you started when you were a teenager, your dad owned a restoration franchise for a little while. And so you got your feet wet a little bit with him. And then when you were a couple years later, continued that path with other companies and developed and grew over these last 10 years. And something else I want to throw out there to the audience in the restoration industry certifications are really important you have to be certified for things like mold biohazard fire and clean you know cleaning up all of these different elements within homes hunter by the time how old were you like 19 by the time you were 19 you were more certified than the most senior people within the organization that you were in at that time it's crazy
1: that's it correct. I think according to the it, the IICRC, which is our basically our certification body for this industry. Um, so not just Paul Davis, but every restoration company kind of uses this as their umbrella or their technical school, if you want to call it that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, by the time I was 21, I became the youngest master restorer. And that's just what they told me it could be to be bogus. No, that's
0: awesome, man. You have no idea how cool that is. And you also teach CE classes, don't you? Yeah. continuing?
1: yeah. So I mean, if you think about business development, what's a good way to um, to help you know build your brand is by offering services to your potential clients and referral sources. So one big thing I do in this in my local area is I offer uh, what property managers. Um, in commercial work, it's, it's a big, uh, big vertical for me. Mm-hmm. So what I like to do is figure out ways I can help them. So I offer them free continuing education classes to help keep up their certification. So I, w- I got my license to be able to teach that just so I could offer that to them, get get their foot in my door.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So the way that it typically works, um, just for our audience so that they understand the context of this is when a damage occurs, you know, it's either going to occur in a home or in a condo-slash-apartment building, you know, interior space. And different properties are managed in different ways. Obviously, a home is going to be managed by the homeowner themselves, typically, unless it's a rental. And then usually there is someone involved in that process if they have a property management company. And then we have buildings, and you're in West Palm Beach, so there's a lot of condos and high-rises and things like that, and a lot of snowbirds, tons of snowbirds. So you're getting... You're getting a lot of these damages in properties because of people that aren't there. Their home has a problem, and a lot of times people don't know about it until either they come back, their property management company finds the problem, or the problem impacts someone else's unit, which is how they discover it, right? So you have a couple of different people that you're actually building relationships with to get future business, and that would be insurance agents, property managers, um, adjusters, insurance adjusters. Who
2: else? Uh, real else
0: estate agents. Okay, reject. real est-
1: nice. Real estate agents. We have uh, home inspectors, air conditioning people, plumbers. I mean, I mean the, the list yeah, uh, doesn't quite. So uh, okay. there's there's just
0: wealth so referral sources for your property managers and your insurance agents. You offer these continuing education classes because in order to maintain their license in their industry, they have to take courses to keep that license. So what, you're, what you went out and did was got certified to teach these classes so that you can provide a service for them and help them out. And in return, they're also becoming educated about the, t- the things that you're handling, right? The water damages and the biohazards and all that kind of stuff.
1: That is correct. Uh, To kind of toggle off of what you're saying, Rebecca, is I I think education means the most to me. Um, I find that people work with most, uh, with those who are most knowledgeable on the subject. Mm -hmm. So when I'm teaching a lot of these property managers or even going out for a a property visit, uh, just to follow up with them, uh, one of the biggest reasons I got all of these certifications wasn't really for just toilet paper hanging on the wall. It was really something to people. I know what I'm talking about. I can help you. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the more you, you, the more, you know, and the more you're able to speak intelligently about the subject, um, the more you are able to help them.
0: Definitely. And that's a big differentiator in your industry, I'm sure, because I'm sure that other people probably provide this service as well. But it's the way that it's presented and your ability as a subject matter expert that is really going to impress people and make people go, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's going to (laughs) come into my home and help me like he knows what he's doing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that that is so true. I've met so many people in this industry, and one of, one of the uh, biggest detractors with uh, business development uh, people or marketers, as we we sort of call it, mm-hmm. is that they do a lot of owners will hire um, marketers that aren't too knowledgeable on the subject matter. They uh, they're a, they're a pretty face and they bring good food, but they don't really provide.
0: Hey, uh, caliber. hey, hey, I take offense. that No, I'm just kidding. Well, I was going to say, you know,
1: by your talking, Rebecca, it almost seems like you have a little bit of experience in this industry. Yeah, uh, you know?
0: just a little bit. Yeah, I, I've actually spoken about this a couple of times on the podcast. So I think if, our, uh, if you've been listening to Let's Talk Sales for a while, you probably know that I come from this industry as well. In fact, Hunter and I actually used to work together at one of the restoration companies at the same time. So we got to work together for a little time and that was awesome. I wish we would have gotten together longer, but you know,
1: (laughs) (laughs) well, you, you were very talented and learned a lot from you, but uh, yeah. But you you know that, you know, that it's been, with that being said, you know how the industry works and you've met a lot of different marketing agents, maybe at conferences, conventions, and you know that a lot of them may not have the knowledge that someone like you have or myself, um, in this industry. So I think whatever you're marketing to, it's really important to not only study up on, uh, what you're, what you're marketing to we're soliciting a service for disaster services so not only do you need to be educated on that subject matter but also be very educated in their field Mm -hmm. so that way you better their needs
0: definitely that's such a great point i know that when i first started selling for the company which like you said we called it marketing in that industry it's all marketing Mm -hmm. because it's all relationship building and relationship management that kind of stuff When I first started, there was a lot of things that I didn't know. I didn't know basically anything about insurance. So I had to ask lots of questions. And you would be so surprised. People are very willing to share. They love to talk about what they do. So that's a great way to build relationships with your prospects is actually to ask them about their day-to-day and their job and what. What problems are you running into? What issues are you having? What is your biggest source of pain so so to speak, in your day-to-day <laughs> life? And we know what it was, right. right? What is it? It's people that call complaining. <laughs> My rate went up
2: two dollars
1: uh, I mean, this year. I mean, I, I don't have a paper long enough to put <laughs> to make a list of potential problems that can happen in this industry, but yeah, really.
0: the more I you are it's the business of problems, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I think that's like its secondary name is the problem industry.
0: Hey, well, it is called disaster restoration. So you
1: know what? That's a good point. Rebecca.
2: <laughs> Coming
0: is- in at the wa- the worst possible time, like this is could not be any worse, and we're we're mm-hmm. there to make it right, which is great that makes it a very enjoyable job to do which is cool. But when you're first getting started if you're on the sales side so this is actually a good lesson for it, those of you that are in business development if you are new to a an industry or a new job you know you've got to really focus on learning from those around you not just internally but externally so learn from your prospects you know learn their pain points but then also internally if you don't know a lot about the industry or you just went into a new industry and it's very techie talk to the people that work there i know that for me hunter even though i grew up in this industry there was a lot that i didn't know about the actual jobs and doing the work so every week i would go to the project manager and talk to him and be like hey what jobs do you have going on or Specifically, I'd say, these three jobs were referred. Can you tell me about those jobs? And I would ask him to teach me something technical because I didn't want to go back as a salesperson to my referral sources and be an idiot that doesn't know anything, basically. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, that's a good point. You know, one of the things I did is um, – I was uh, I was a technician with uh, with my father for you know five and a half years or so and but after that I started um, I moved when we moved down to the South Florida area I started taking up a little bit more of a you know a leadership role mm-hmm. if you will definitely uh, with that I wanted a, a lot of those in this industry. They don't. They underestimate the value of education. That's the biggest, biggest problem that I find in this. Think about if you want to be an engineer. Well, you need an engineering degree. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, this industry is is not as heavily regulated as others. Uh, but you can really set yourself apart by gaining this education. So before I even proceeded to take on such a heavy leadership role. I got these certifications fairly quickly uh, back to back to where I've basically accumulated almost all of them. Um, So if you're taking that knowledge, that certifications that you have learned and then go out and preach the correct methods, the correct ways, I'm telling you, you will service your clients even better. And that goes for any industry. The more you know about your industry, uh, the more knowledge you can gain, uh, and like you said, by asking questions from those around you mm-hmm. and maybe further education, uh, you will be an unstoppable force.
0: I love that. What a great lesson. See, I knew you had so much to teach today. <laughs> I got, I
1: got some stuff up my sleeves here, Rebecca. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay, so this month is all about planning for this new year to come. We're in a new year, and I would really love to hear more about how you plan for a new year, Hunter. What does that look like for you? What when you're planning your new year? Um, you know, out there in BizDev.
1: Well, that's so funny that we're, that we're talking about planning, and that's 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 a great starting point. So when it comes to planning, I'm very structure oriented. However, I don't get stuck in the planning phase and I'll kind of dive into that a little bit later Of what the planning phase is.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, the big thing is if you want to aim for explosive growth, not just growth, you need to understand your company's profit centers and verticals and compare them to your market. And so basically, to break that down, you're just asking a question, who can I partner with that will reward our company and our customers the highest return? For example, in the property restoration business, repairing a commercial structure will reward uh, much higher than a residential property. And that's st- those are just st- statistical facts. I couldn't even say statistics there. Um <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's I mean, from your, and that is why. from your own experience and research as well, right? Oh yeah, I I run all all of my own reports, and uh, I I'm
1: big, like I said, I'm big on structure, and that comes from running reports to seeing how my departments are are doing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's multiple reason why, and this I'm kind of this is the start of the planning phase, so I'm sitting back and doing all this research. Who's going to reward our company this highest return? So with Commercial marketing, there's many different benefits if you compare a commercial property to a residential property, multiple floors, hundreds of potential clients under one roof. I mean, the list goes on. It's mm-hmm. just it's just a much better vertical.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: with this information in mind, the question I have for myself is how do I get myself in front of more commercial clients? So now I've just broken out Who who do I need to talk to instead of just winging it you know so this is kind of planning on steroids
2: okay
1: now now i know how to funnel my research so uh basically now i know my marketing mission so how i'm planning how i'm structuring it is i i'm on a quarterly basis i know a lot of companies they're they measure their progress uh by annually annually it, it varies but i'm on a quarterly basis Basis. So the first month of each quarter, I'm planting my seeds. This is kind of like a field of crops. So bear with. I love this, it. I uh,
0: love that analogy. That's yeah. awesome. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm planting, planting my, my field seeds. of crops. Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm planting my seeds, field of crops. So, so January I plant- is
0: <laughs> planting time.
1: I kind right. of break this down, but yeah, January exactly is planting time.
0: Like first, the first month of every quarter. You said right.
1: Y- yes. Exactly. And that those seeds are based off of the research that I just spoke about. What are my most profitable verticals? So those are the seeds that I'm going to be casting, Mm -hmm. right? The second month of the quarter. So this may be February. Now I'm going to start nurturing, growing those seeds, which means I'm continuously following up on promising new referral sources. And by the third month, I call it the harvest month. This is my favorite month of the quarter. So Uh, This means by the end of the third quarter, I'm no longer worrying about the seeds. I can't get to grow in January. I let that go, but I've cultivated my beautiful crops that Mm -hmm. have grown these past months. Okay. Then the next next quarter, it just repeats itself.
0: Nice. Nice. I like it. Look at that. You've got a whole cycle going on here.
1: The whole, the whole system, whole whole crop system going up in here.
0: So for our listeners, when they're considering planting, you would say then break it up into quarters, focus on planting seeds at the beginning of the year and also at the beginning of quarters. And as you get to the end of the year is when you're going to see the benefits of everything that you have been sowing that whole year.
1: Absolutely. If you follow, if if you go on a quarterly basis and you follow this, and this really helps, one of the biggest reasons I do this is it really helps weed out those who just aren't referring me. I just can't get them to do business with me. And I don't want to take away my valuable time and my company's valuable time on those particular uh, referral sources.
0: Okay, perfect. Um, I'm also going to throw... A resource out there for our audience and that is we have a template called the prospecting action plan and it will help you create plans for your quarters so check the show notes you can find them at criteriaforsuccess.com pod 119 and that template is absolutely free and you can download that and get started on your quarterly planning so, Hunter, what should leaders be mindful of as we begin this new year? You know, we're three weeks into January. Now, what should leaders be thinking of as we are entering this new year?
1: You know, I'm I'm heavy on time blocking. And I guess you kind of get the idea that I am heavily into time blocking with the quarters. But what helps me with... Um, with my quarterly success, is the fact that I am time blocking week by week. So love it. Love it. You can set
2: up time blocks. I
0: am a huge fan, obviously. Uh, love time blocking. Well, you probably don't know this, Hunter, but I think that time blocking has been mentioned on almost every single episode of Lot Stock Sales. <laughs>
1: really oh my goodness
0: yes and there's a free resource on that as well so those will be in the show notes guys
1: well look at that if everyone's saying it what's the most important thing time blocking
0: that's what i'd say time blocking (laughs) now what about salespeople what should they keep in mind this new year
1: uh, basically same thing if there's a process set in place by the sales leaders follow it mm-hmm. uh, with salespeople, the, the hardest thing is is sometimes we get stuck too into the planning phase and I ran a statistic on my own company that basically every full weekday I spend you know stuck in this planning phase that I lose 10 to 16 potential clients that I get to meet that day Wow and keep in mind So keep in mind, you could get one project from one of those persons for, in my experience, $1.9 million. So you never know how much that can cost you. So I guess my advice to salespeople, people that are out there hitting the pavement, really Mm -hmm. think about how wisely you are using your time and ensure that during marketable hours, you are out there bringing in those leads Mm -hmm. and, and, and figure out, figure out. Um, maybe when your referral sources don't like to be bothered or when they're going to be the most busy through the week or maybe prepare it on a weekend because you really, really want to be out there hitting the pavement during the week Mm
2: -hmm.
0: when
1: your referral sources are open for
0: business. Absolutely. Yeah, how do you find that when you're out, do you find that there are certain days that work better or certain days that are just... Terrible. Like, are there certain day- days or parts of the day that are good times to be spent doing that planning work?
1: Well, just to hear viewers understand, I am in a 24 hour, seven day a week business. So, <laughs> you know, my. <laughs> yeah, my
0: day your schedule's a little, a little but, crazy. <laughs> uh,
1: but, yeah, I do a lot of planning. Uh, like, Fridays are actually kind of a day when. Um, People are either Monday mornings or Friday, say afternoons. A lot of my referral sources are kind of, they don't want to see people coming into their office. They're trying to either get ready for the week on Monday morning or they're winding down for the weekend. A lot of my referral sources close their office early on mm-hmm. Friday afternoons. So I find okay. that if I'm going to sit and plan and do my most the most research, it's going to be spent on a downtime like that.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Now, since we are talking about how to plan, and it also makes sense for us to address time blocking and time management, we've been talking about that a little bit, what tips do you have for our listeners so that they can better time block in the future? Or what is your ultimate time block tip?
1: Well great question because a lot of business development people um they need to travel to meet their clients so mm-hmm. if you want to cast your net as wide as you can really need to think about geographically the locations you're going to visit so for example uh to make a long story longer
2: <laughs> I, have
1: <to> travel, <laughs> I have to travel locally to visit all of these people but i have such a massive territory mm-hmm. i mean we cover all of treasure coast and the palm beach which is huge roughly uh, yeah. yeah it's a huge territory if you it do is. the research on it that really
0: so a lot it, of people they all move from new york
1: <laughs> tell me about that yeah they move from everywhere though yeah they move from um, everywhere i know I'm, big
0: area. I'm just being silly since i'm sitting in new york talking to you you're in west palm beach and i feel like everyone goes from here to there
1: <laughs> oh and it's freezing here today, Rebecca. It's 65 degrees. Oh freezing. How body. are
0: you guys surviving? Yeah. Wow. You know, I have no
1: idea. I think I'm going to go buy a winter coat. Yeah.
0: <laughs> are you going to be okay? <laughs> 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 Don't but worry. It's only like, you know, 30 here.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, you must be freezing up there.
0: Hey, it's January. Oh. It's the start of snowbird season. I got to get on that train.
1: Ah, oh, that's right. That's in January. It's a busy time for me because, like you were talking about, the snowbirds, which basically residents up there uh, that come to Florida, they they find they come home and they find a lot of damage in their homes if they don't have a home watcher or, or, or someone who can you know check on their house. Mm-hmm. They'll come back to disaster, mm-hmm. and we get that.
0: Yeah, that's when you guys are getting a lot of calls. I remember. Specifically, one job where there was mold over the entire house from the wall, from the floor, all the way almost up to the ceiling in this whole freaking place because a water line, the refrigerator line had broken and it just set out so much water that it flooded around the apartment just a couple of inches. But water wicks itself up walls so the water wicked itself up a good couple of feet it was a sight a crazy sight and you see that kind of stuff every day
1: (laughs) you have no you have no idea how often that happens you think it's a freak thing and that's a big thing in my business is uh it's an un you're basically going the customer's going through an unplanned remodel yeah you know is that <laughs> yeah. that's so. a really good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if you want to remodel your house, you're kind of you can't wait till it starts. but this this person comes back to their home. They think they're gonna enjoy their time in Florida, yet they spend the whole six months that they're gonna live here. Um, fixing up their house. So it can be very devastating for them. So mm-hmm. when it comes to s- sales and, and marketing aspect of it, you, ne- you really need to cater to their problems and their mm-hmm. unique uh, individual needs.
0: That's one of the things I love about you, Hunter, is that you sincerely love what you do, and you love helping other people and just being a, how you you have such a servant's heart about you. I love that, that you're just all about helping people out.
1: It's the service industry. <laughs> hey, well, not everybody
0: in the service industry really truly cares about servicing people, unfortunately.
1: Well, you know, this happened to me personally, and I, I do speak to my my clients about this sometimes. Uh, this this has personally happened to me. Um, oh, that's you know, my, right. My little, yeah, yeah, and I want to say it twice. Basically, I had to uh, where I. Um, Left was the basement level which was definitely a a yeah when you were
0: growing up right like more your middle school high school years right
1: yeah yeah so you know i i you know the the few things that i had in there i really loved and Mm -hmm. when um when hurricane sandy went along it actually did uh, cause a lot of flooding in my my area in pennsylvania as well Mm -hmm. which is actually surprising but it flooded everything i lost most of my belongings i had to gut the re- it, it, i didn't i couldn't deal with it it felt yeah. devastating at the time yeah so i thought oh, what do i want to do that's going to better service my clients coming from first hand experience so yeah. you know,
0: i hear you on that and i've been there before too even w- while i was working In the restoration industry, I think I had like three different times. I had a bad roof leak once. Uh, The washing machine overflowed once at a rental house that I was renting everywhere. I actually had a water damage recently at the place I live in now where the sink got stuck and overflowed. And it actually created some after damage that i didn't know about until you know you know how it goes time passes and then you realize that other things got messed up like all the floorboards are warped um there is a shelf in the bathroom that the bottom of it's warped because it got impacted by that water even though it was only for a couple of minutes that's all it takes
1: yeah Yeah, they they say for every minute that a water supply line runs you basically you're you're stuck in an unplanned renovation as i call it for a day Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's like my little formula
0: i love that (laughs) now hunt you know that i love to laugh i love joking around i would love it do you have a funny sales story that you'd be willing to share with our audience
1: oh my goodness well i have have the funniest Sales story for okay. you.
0: Good, good, good. You, you can understand my
1: personality. So, I, I, I had a big, uh, a big house that I inspected on a Saturday, and it was uh, there's a lot of damage too. And when I opened the door, there was many, many different contractors in there trying to hard sell this project to a, a woman who was devastated. Uh, she just, you know, recently had a big, big water loss. So. Really, you could tell that she was not having the weekend that she planned. Yeah, really? So, I, you, I mean, you name the sales pitch they're trying to give you. her. I built the first house on the moon. I <laughs> have 40 years of experience. I mean, you name it. It's all kinds of crazy things being thrown out there. So, I basically took one second when she politely greeted me. She let me inside. I took a good look around and I saw pictures of this little dog that she has. So immediately it was a dead giveaway that this woman loved this dog. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then the little dog, really cute dog runs up to me and starts nipping at my ankles. And I said, wow, this, look at this dog here. So while they're talking her ear off saying, we're the company for you, we're the company for you. Essentially I say a few words, but then I, I, I'm, sitting there playing with the dog for 10 minutes okay and it's just it's so this is really gonna get to a really good point at the end so <laughs> eventually I, asked, <laughs> I have faith I asked Don't her worry. What the
2: dog's name right so
1: okay. we're talking about it and so i really broke down this barrier by by just talking about this little little dog that she had for about 15 minutes so by the end of it uh we ended up getting awarded the project. We were the highest bid. Uh, but the see from that, I could tell you that she, she just felt comfortable. So whereas everyone's so focused on a script or a sales pitch, it, it was all about her as an individual, her as a person and not so much as a number. Aww. And she could really feel that we, we cared and we can provide that individual unique like service.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So just by us talking a little bit about the project, and a lot more about her dog. I think it was kind of a win that day. So that's Aww. kind of.
0: That's more yeah, of a can't feel good, su- like sentimental story. But that's okay. I'll take yeah, it, looks, it. That it, was a lesson.
1: You know what? There's not too many funny stories because usually people are angry and miserable <laughs> when I walk in. I can't say there's too many funny stories. You know, that's <laughs> as funny as it's going to get. So I think watching their <laughs> useless sales pitches was the funny part of the
2: story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Now, on a more serious note, what is the hardest lesson that you've learned so far in your career?
1: Hardest lesson that I've ever learned. Oh, my goodness. The disaster restoration business and the hardest lesson. Well, on a sale, on a sales note, the hardest lesson is sometimes you won't get the job. Sometimes it's going to be beautiful and you won't get it. Um, Now, there's a way to funnel your closing ratio by asking your clients, how can I improve? What about my presentation Uh, may have caused discomfort? So you may be in that uncomfortable situation where they're saying, look, I don't want to do business with you or the job is not yours. I'm giving it to someone else. You need to be able to be comfortable enough to learn how you can improve Uh and so over. And you're learning the little niches, the, the nuggets, as a gentleman in our organization calls it. <laughs> um, you, you really can just funnel that closing ratio really high the more you learn from jobs that you lose. Mm-hmm. So think about, the, your viewers can think about who what's a recent recent referral source that they may have not been able to get or a job that they may have not been able to land or sign, use that as a learning opportunity and not so much as uh, an ego killer. Mm-hmm.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It's a, so what you're, what I recall you saying or what I think you're saying is that it's about asking your potential buyers or your prospects for feedback and saying, hey, what was it that I did wrong? How can Absolutely. I improve? What can I do better?
1: last year I wrote an article called how to get your work contract signed on my LinkedIn page. And it was just kind of things I thought about in my head that would really help my viewers on there, but I call it learning through loss. Okay. So, you know, if, if if they really just don't want to work with you and you really want to, if you want the best learning experience of your life, talk to an angry customer Hmm. or an upset customer or someone you can't land the sale with and, and figure out, what pieces am I missing to to my puzzle here, to my mm-hmm. marketing puzzle? Okay. So that's it, it's not always comfortable getting that kind of constructive feedback, but I'm telling you that is the biggest, toughest lesson of learn.
0: Okay, so it's uncomfortable, but it's going to make you better. So ask for feedback, guys. Name. And I'm also going to throw a link to your LinkedIn article into the show notes for this episode. Again, that can be found at criteriaforsuccess.com/slash pod one one nine all right hunter now books i know that you don't have a lot of time to read because you are in a 24-hour <laughs> business but uh, do you have a favorite sales or business growth book or multiple books
1: yes absolutely i love the book blue ocean strategy and i Basically, that book entails how you can use the resources you have to differentiate yourself from the competition okay. or swim to blue waters, as they call it. So really check out that book. Okay. Um, I high, highly endorse
0: that. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I'm going to check that out. Got some uh, reading to do now. <laughs> now, I yeah, do any you ha- have. Got- Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Not- I'm talking over.
1: Any you No, no worries. No worries. Any of John Maxwell's book as well. He's big on leadership, but there is a lot of sales and uh, business development pieces you can get out of those books. So any of his book, Blue Ocean Strategy, that's just next level stuff there.
0: Okay, perfect. I love it. Now you've already given us so many great tips during this episode, but I was wondering if you have one piece of wisdom that you would like to pass along to the audience.
1: Well, I think... uh, I think you you can kind of see how um, my, quote, pitch isn't so much of a pitch. And sometimes we get lost in that. Um, especially big companies that have over 10,000 employees quotas, and quotas, and sometimes we get stuck stuck in a certain mindset that really disables our our growth, mm-hmm. our future growth, to get more and more business. So while there's certain verbiage in a, quote, pitch that might help you land a job. Really think about the individual that you are meeting with the individual customer or referral source. And if you want, if you really want to make a next level growth and change in your organization, think about catering to the problem. Think about their individual needs. Mm-hmm. And I, I can promise you, because this has caused 400% yearly growth for me by just following this method, you you will change the name of your game.
0: Awesome. I love that. Solving common problems, solving your prospects' problems. It's what it's all about. And I absolutely love that you've made that the center of your focus, When you're out there, that's your mission is to help people help solve people's problems. And I know that that's why you're so successful. So I hope that our audience takes a tip here, and focuses on that in this new coming year 2019. And beyond, (laughs) from here on out, it's all about (laughs) solving problems, right? Now, um, here at CFS, we also talk quite a bit about sales playbooks, and we're always looking for useful tips that sales managers, CEOs, and salespeople can share in their playbooks. Hunter, what is one actionable tip that our listeners might consider adding to their playbook?
1: Well, I think we covered a lot of good points, but I don't want to talk about time blocking again, but really figure out your marketing structure. Uh, so whatever that that individual company, when they're setting up their their structure, really follow that to the T and really get your structure in in writing. So whatever your playbook is, however you have customized it, really get your individual companies, your individual brand in a sort of marketing structure and make sure you're regularly pulling reports to see how your structure is in your growth.
0: OK, Awesome! I love it. And also, you could also use your playbook to store the common problems that you're running into when you're talking to your prospects and your customers. It's a good place to store that as well. So I'm actually also going to throw one last ebook in the show notes. I'm going to show throw the how to create and manage a sales playbook um, ebook. I'm going to throw that in there and put a note here for that. It's a great one, and it will teach and show some of the elements that you should add to your playbook like common problems and time blocking and things like that hunter man this has been awesome thank you so much for being on the show today
1: thank you and criteria for success very much i've done a lot of research on your company and i've uh... I've actually learned a lot from your organization as well. So I thank you and your company.
0: Thank you. And you've actually appeared as a guest blogger on the CFS blog a couple of times as well. So be sure to look out for that name, Hunter Smith. This kid is going places. Watch out. All right. <laughs> you already are thank in places. You. you're you're already there. yeah, but, you know, you're going more places. <laughs> more places, more and more places after that. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much, Hunter. And thank you thank so you, much. Rebecca. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just totally dismissed you. <laughs> thank you, Hunter. <laughs> thank you, Rebecca. And thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 119. Tune in next week when we'll be continuing the conversation on planning with the CFS roundtable. All month, we've been writing about planning on the CFS blog, so be sure to check that out at criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. And if you're loving the podcast, we invite you to please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the show. Your ratings and reviews are really going to help other people to find us, and we really appreciate it. So thank you so much for listening today. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by myself here, Rebecca Toomey, Ariana Miskell, and Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling, everyone!